What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition, another episode of the Cheat Sheet. It's number 11. I've done 10 of these. And this is number 11. And this, this issue of the Cheat Sheet, I'm talking about the five-point question. It's a huge deal in the showdown. Everyone knows it. Much like the wheel determines your fate. It's the last question of the match. You win or you lose on it. Uh, sometimes you have the ability to answer it yourself to win the match. Sometimes you have to sit back and watch your opponent hit it or miss it to determine your own fate. Determine your fate. Um, and at, every week I try to figure out what am I going to do for for each episode of this. And luckily I got the draft, you know, the nuke dropped, and that that provided some um, material to cover. But another thing that I was, I've been curious about for a little bit, and I've done some research here and there. Mainly, I did a piece back on TriviaSD.com. I did a piece about William Bibiani and his final round woes. Um, he, he lost a few matches uh, due, to the, due to the final round. He couldn't close it out. But he's not the only player that would succumb to some, you know, some of the pressure that the final round offers. Uh, and the five-pointer is usually one of those more notorious questions uh, he has holds more notorious types of questions. I mean, you can go back to Inner Geekdom, Mike Kalinowski, the whole uh, robot, the Tony Stark stuff. So that is usually, um, you know, you sometimes you get questions like that. Other times, you know, they're they're definitely more answerable to the the audience that answers. Sometimes people will say, "Well, that's complete. That wasn't a five pointer. That may have been a three or even a two. Um, so you get different levels of, of difficulty per se. Again, it's all subjective, right? Um, but for this, I wanted to look at how proficient players are answering the five pointer. How many five pointers have they have they gotten? Uh, things like that. And this is only pertained. This only pertains to the singles division. There's a lot uh, of information to mine from, so it, it gives a more whole picture if you will and that's and that's not really um fair to say because the showdown is it's so topsy-turvy there's no one set kind of uh course to follow it's not 100 percent uniform sometimes you'll have a five or not a five sometimes you won't even answer a three so it it varies for player to player match to match division to division but i decided just to tackle um the singles division, just because there's so much to mine from. And uh, I'm not going to waste any more time here, but, oh, I will say, I didn't look at 2014. That just didn't make sense. Uh, there's no five-pointer there, obviously. So I had to adjust certain players' numbers, like Makuga, Harloff, Ellis, JTE, uh, players like that, Riley, who had a handful of matches during that inaugural tournament. So I've gone ahead and adjusted uh, for those uh, so this covers 2016 to this year, and um, there's some interesting stuff. Obviously, William Bibiani is more of the more notable names to look at to see what his history is. But one one player. Let's start at 2016, and I don't have any visuals to throw up. This was kind of I was doing a lot of work like compiling all this stuff. Anyways, uh, looking at 2016, and first off, actually, what I wanted to figure out is. Who who was the best for a certain year? Who was the best in 2016, 2017, 2018, this year? 
Um, starting with 2016, you have to look at well, how many who's answered who's been asked the most, and six five point questions were asked to John Roca and Josh Makuga in 2016. John Roca answered four of his six five pointers, and Josh Makuga answered five of his six five pointers, which effectively gives him the top accuracy rate in terms of five pointers. Five out of six, that's 83%, compared to Roca's four of six, that's 67%. Uh, and you will get these 20% disparities between answering four of six or five of six. So I want to kind of harp more on the four of six, five of six, uh, if you will, just because the percentages are misleading in this sense because the sample sizes are so small. Uh, Leo says Bibiani has his missed five points against JTE, Christian Levine, McWeeny, Roca, and Merle. Thank you for that fact check, Leo. Uh, Further in 2016, though, uh, moving down, the third most, uh, or the player with the third most five-point questions asked was Mark Ellis, and he actually went four for four in 2016. You remember that he even took Merle as spectacular to the very last question. Uh, but Ellis was four of four in 2016. Then you have other players, uh, Riley, JTE, Scott, Mance, uh, all had three Three questions of the five-point variety asked to them. But then moving into 2017, again, I wanted to see who who's being asked the most. And generally, you would think maybe it's players who play the most. Uh, and if you remember anything about JTE's run in 2017, he had a hell of a run. He went to the tournament final. He was asked five five-point questions that year, and he only answered two of them. Two of them. That was the most uh, questions asked to a single player in 2017, there's three other players tied for that second most most asked question. Uh, at four was Josh Makuga once again. John Roca. Remember, these are two guys that led 2016 in five-point questions asked. Uh, and then 2017 also showed up uh, showed us William Bibiani. He had four asked to him. Now Bibiani, he went. 2 of 4, Roka went 2 of 4, and Josh Makuga, he went 3 of 4 in 2017. If you look at 2016 and 2017 for Josh Makuga, he is 8 of 10 across two seasons, 80%. That's pretty impressive for a guy uh, as of right now, or has been for the since the modern era, the collider era, if you will. He's been a 500 player, but he's 8 of 10 in five-point questions, so he's not an easy out by any means. And I think most people know that, but I think this number just further reinforces uh, just how uh, a difficult opponent he can be. Uh, he certainly has that magic, you know, the, the wild man. Um, but so those were some other... So that was some interesting um, back-to-back season data that I came across. Uh, there's been some other players... I mean, you look at... Uh, let's see here. I mean, really, other than that, the five-pointer really kind of killed everybody. No one was really great. Mance, Merle were both two out of three. Um, nothing spectacular going on here. Uh, once we get into 2018, now moving on to 2018, again, it seems like we can't get past six five-point questions. I mean, that, that means you're, probably, you're playing at least six matches, right? Um, sometimes you play seven. No one... 
I think Ethernet has a record for most singles matches in a season with eight. I think he set that last year, if I'm not mistaken. When he went seven and one, I believe. So, but in 26, 2018, rather, I'm sorry, uh, Clark Wolf, she holds the top spot for most five point questions asked asked to her. Uh, and she went three of six, and you know, she got pretty far in that tournament. She had a number one contender match against Mike Kalinowski, played Levine, came up short in that epic overtime match where they actually both missed their five point uh, questions, which is interesting because Sam Levine now th- up and th- up through 2018. Let me see if I can find his number here. Yeah, so in 2016, he was one for one in five pointers, in 2017. Again, spectacular year for Levine. He went three of three in five pointers, and then in 20, so he's four for four across two seasons. Twenty eighteen, his lone five point question that he got was in that Clark Wolf match, which he missed. So, and then since he retired, his career uh, five point accuracy is four out of five, which comes to eighty percent. So uh, that's a little bit of interesting um, fact finding there, if you will. But getting back to the upper upper part of the table of questions asked to competitors, Mark Andrico came in second. He had he was asked five questions and he was two of five. So the five club there um, with Mark Andrico, Clark Wolf, they had plenty of of experience and uh, game experience rather at the very least, uh, between 11 questions between both of them in terms of five-point questions, and they combined to answer five. Again, three of six for Clark Wolf, two of five for Mark Andreco. And once again in the top three, here comes John Roca. Four five-point questions uh, last year. He was two of four. Ben Bateman, um, he was three of four, along with Ethan Irwin, who was three of four. Uh, those were the top uh, questions or a number of questions asked the competitors, four, five, and six. And what's interesting now is we get into 28, I'm sorry, this year, 2019. The top player, you I think if you've been paying attention, been following closely this year, uh, and this player has one, possibly two matches to go in the singles division this year, and that is William Bibiani. He's been asked five questions, five five-point questions this year, and he's answered four of the five. Uh, that lone miss coming to Merle, is that right? Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, that year, this year, and then he was subsequently TKO'd by Merle in that title match. But Bibbs is now in the tournament final, and then if he was dead, he has a shot against Paul Oyama, in spectacular as the you know the, the title match, the singles title match on the line, but he's four of five, and, and those are numbers we haven't seen really since 2016 when Makuga, uh, when he went five of six, right? And when you look at 2016, and again, Bibby only only had one match there uh, against Mark and Draco, the tail end of 2016. Uh, but you look at the game, the style of game that we had in 2016 to the style of game that we have now, it, it makes sense through 2017 and 2018. We haven't seen those kinds of numbers. But this year, in 2019, Bibiani, who's 4 of 5, and I mean, he's played in big, big high-pressure matches. Just look at the tournament alone. I mean, 
Ethan Irwin, uh, Chance Ellison. Uh, earlier in the year, he had that triple threat match with uh, Ethan Irwin, John Roca, then played Roca again in the semis um, here in this year's tournament. All of it going down to the to the final question, you know, of him specifically having to answer five pointers, four or five. It is some damn impressive stuff that he's able to put up um, this this kind of performance on the five pointer specifically, uh, because a lot, especially in the matches that he's played in, it all comes down to that. And he's been playing fantastic between rounds one, and two, and steals and and all of that. So this four out of five number. Um, is pretty incredible. When you look at his past two seasons, 2017 and 2018, he was a combined three of seven. So not great. I mean, obviously, a huge turnaround here when you look at this year, four out of five compared to three out of seven. Um, answered more five-pointers than he did in the past two seasons combined. In fact, actually, if you go back to his 2016 match, then that would make it um, four out of eight. So he's answered just as many five-pointers this year alone as he has in his past three seasons, if you will, even though that 2016 was one match. Very, very impressive stuff. And uh, if you look, so total-wise, for his career, he is eight of 13. Again, half of those coming correct this year so he's made a huge turnaround but then that drops his percentage down to 62 percent and answering eight correct you see that he has 10 wins under his belt through a course of 16 matches so when you put all that together he's had 13 total five point questions in 16 career matches in the singles division alone that's a five point rate if you will of 81%. So 81% of his matches entail him having to answer the five-pointer. And he's done it successfully eight times in his career, more notably four times this year. Um, it is such a huge drastic change, and it makes sense because look at where he's at this year. Look where he's what look what he's accomplished. If you're just looking at singles alone, look what he's accomplished. Um, and and he has still more room for accomplishments with potentially a second match um, going up against Paul Oyama if he can get past Ben Bateman uh, to close out the tournament final at Spectacular. So his numbers are just insane. I mean, his five-point rate is near the top. Uh, if not, it is actually, I, w I mean, in terms of volume, it's him and Makuga uh, that have the top five-point question rate. Makuga He's had 15 matches in this era, and, he, and, and he's had, again, 13 five-point questions asked his way. So that brings his percentage up a little bit. It's about 87% of his matches go to the five-pointer. That's how tough Makuga is. I mean, so when, you know, Paul Oyama was matched up against Makuga, it wasn't like, look, you look at his history, and I know that match doesn't exactly speak to what, what his numbers say here, but you look at that and you say, hey, anything can happen. Makuga can pull out some crazy magic. So uh, Makuga's always a great uh, introductory match because he's a tough he's a tough opponent. As you see here, again, 16, 15 matches, and he's had to go to the five-pointer 13 times. Um, that means he's put a lot of pressure on his opponent, whether they're good or average or below average. It, it doesn't matter. He's always going down to the wire, and I think 
that just speaks to Makuga's longevity, despite what his record says. Um, and if anything else, he's got the wild berries going for him. Now, uh, look, again, one other thing that I found interesting, actually, going through all this, was uh, someone has had seven matches, career singles matches, and they've had to go to their their five-pointer all seven times. And that is a player that hasn't played this year, but has played in the past few ma- past few years, and that's Scott Mance. Um, remember him? He's had seven matches, and, and all seven times he's had to answer his five-pointer, and he's only done it three times, so it kind of explains his record. And I know he's a busy guy, but um, I thought that was interesting. I mean, if you want to talk about five-point rate, who has the highest one, it would be Scott Mance because seven out of seven. And then, like I said, you need, then you trickle down to Josh McCuga, you have Bibiani, and then another big high-volume player would with a high five-point rate would be John Roca. He's had 23 career singles matches with 14 wins to his name now, and he's had to go to his five-pointer 17 of his 23 matches. That's 74% of his matches have gone to the five-point question, and it just again it because he's always in tough battles. He plays a lot of top tier players, and you know he's answered nine of the seventeen. So not exactly the numbers you want to see uh, from him. You know it's fifty three percent. You know this year he's one of three, and last year he was two of four. Twenty seventeen two of four, and then twenty sixteen he was four of six. So that 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 one year, and you, know, you look at him getting the title, and then. So you got to hit these five-pointers, and then over the past few seasons, it just really hasn't been there. But he's been in the thick of it. He's always a tough out. Um, so another high five-point percentage there that's interesting to me. Uh, Riley's another guy. 69% of his matches have seen him go to the five-pointer. He's six of nine, which is pretty good, 67%. Um, but he's got to get to that point. And then you take a look at someone like Mark Andreco, 12 matches. Uh, he's gone to his five-pointer eight times, uh, answering just three times. If he could if he could fix those woes, Andreco, I mean, he, he competed for a singles title. If he could fix those woes um, with a five-pointer, much I mean, you could say that about anybody, but he's been to that point so many times that if he just was able to up that rate a little bit, that conversion rate a little bit, you know, there's no doubt he's going to hold a singles division title if he wants to. If he wants to go after it, I think he could definitely do it. Um, Leo says, one of the unluckiest ones, I think Chance and Janine might be up there as of now, and could Mance be back for the draft? I would assume Mance would be uh, uh, eligible for the draft. My my understanding, and this isn't confirmed by any stretch of the imagination, I just always assumed that once the draft was announced and, you know, Christian said it's going to be 100-plus players, I kind of always assumed that the pool of players would be anybody that's ever competed in the Schmodown. If you want to know how many people competed, I don't know the number off the top of my head. It's it's pretty high, but you can go to theschmodownlive.com, look at Draft HQ. There's a whole list of every single player that has ever played in the Schmodown, aside from celebrities, uh, whether they played in singles, just team match, inner geekdom, and Star Wars. Um, although I think I did include Sam Witwer in Star Wars just because he held held the belt, just made sense to include him. But so you could just 
subtract one from that number. Anyways, um, Leo asks, saying, you know, Chance and Janine might be up there as of now. Uh, let me actually let me look at their numbers here for 2019. And, uh, you know, Janine, yeah, um, tough year for Janine. 0 for 3 on the 5-pointer. And, and Chance, I think he's only hit 1. Yeah, 1 of 3 for him. So he's 1 of 4 lifetime, actually, because he missed 1 last year. And then uh, Janine... Um, yeah, we, we got to work on this, 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 uh, five pointer stuff for Janine. Um, she's one of six, so we got to work on that. And, you know, she's played in eight singles matches, six times. She's had to go to that five pointer. She's gotten it once. Um, so if, if we can work on that part of the game somehow, some way, I don't know. Um, I'm, that's not my department in terms of how to go about that, but yeah, I mean, you could definitely say, though, that there's definitely some unluckiness that factors in. Uh, Janine's 106 is pretty staggering. That one, that one really, um, that one, that one hurts. That number hurts to look at. Uh, let's move on. Let's move, uh, from somebody else, actually, McWeeny's another one. One of five career. Um, he's played in nine matches, so just a little bit over half of his matches have had to go to the five pointer. Um, some really. Interesting um, numbers in here. Let's see. Anybody else like hope? Let's see. Yeah, let's look at Dan Merle. Okay, he was one for. He just had one five point question in 2016. That was against Mark Ellis. He answered that and retained the title. Defended in 2017. He went two of three. Last year he was 0 for two. Okay, and this year he's 0 for one. So he's had three five point questions in his over the past two seasons and he's 0 for 3 um and he's 3 for 7 live time but he's got 12 wins and when you look at his 5 point conver uh not conversion rate but 5 point rate it's below 50% he's at 41% so 41% of his matches has seen him go to the 5 pointer which makes sense that he has 12 wins and 8 knockouts you know so, and he's 3 of 7. He doesn't have to go there that often. I mean, he has 17 career matches, and, he, you know, it, it makes sense that his his rate would be low. I mean, you kind of want to see, obviously, a low 5-point rate with a high win number, uh, which is something that I could actually probably delve into and see the ratios between certain players. Uh, if I sort this by number of wins, you look at... Sam Levine, he's had 14 career singles matches with 10 wins to his name. He's 4 of 5 on 5-pointers. High accuracy rate, right, and a low 5-point rate. So even when he gets there, or when he did get there, he converted 4 of 5, and he only had to worry about it 36% of the time he played a singles match, or 36% of this time. So... Uh, that's that's a great number. I mean, it explains why he's turned he turned his career, singles career around, um, uh, and obviously he went on that crazy run, got a double belt and all that. And and that five pointer is a huge reason why. Um, first of all, barely having to go there, you know, barely a little more than a third of his matches, right? And then when he did, he only missed one of his five opportunities so impressive stuff there um 
let's look at another high-volume uh, match player with a low rate. Actually, Ben Bateman, 13 uh, career matches in which he's had a five-pointer available to him. And he's been there six times. He's four of six. So, again, you look at the 6-7%, not really indicative, but 4 of 6 is a nice number, and his 5-point rate is at 46, so below 50%, which, you know, you look at his 8 wins now, uh, makes a lot of sense. I would, I think, ideally would try and not go to that 5-pointer, right? And if you can get it below 50%, oftentimes you're probably going to be in a great position to win, as he is 8 times out of his 13 matches. So, um... It, may, it makes sense when you kind of look at that ratio in a sense. Uh, Ethan Irwin, uh, this guy, you know, 12 matches, 8 wins, 58% 5-point rate. It, that should be lower, I think. But he kind of has this issue or problem that Bibiani has that he's always in these tight matches, these, you know, these slobber knockers. So he goes to the 5-pointer a lot. Not as much as Bibbs. Bibbs, again, is in the 80%. That's crazy. That's off the charts. That's being put through the ringer time and time again every time you step out there and enter a match. Ethan Irwin, who I think a lot of people would agree that Ethan Irwin and Bibiani, their knowledge is on the same level, and he's only having to deal with a five-pointer or had to have dealt with a five-pointer 6% of his matches. Uh, another look at this guy, Kalinowski. 13 matches has only gone to the five-pointer 46% of the time. Um, with with his seven wins. He's three of six on five-pointers, so not a great conversion rate, but he hasn't had to go there a whole lot, less than 50% of his matches, so that's going to help your odds of winning the match, obviously. So these are some of the... Oh, actually, another one here, good one here. Um, we should look at Paul Oyama. Six matches in his rookie year. He's only had to go to the five-pointer twice, and he's hit it one of those two times. So... It, it makes sense. The less you have to go to that five-pointer, you might end up on a six-game winning streak. Uh, Chandra asks, are you doing IG in Teams 2? Uh, right now, I am not. I plan on doing an IG Teams um, thing like this. I'll combine that together, but there's so much uh, for singles. I just decided to do singles, and uh, I just didn't have, also, I didn't have really any time to research Intergeekdom and Teams. Um, but hopefully down the line, I'll do that. Um, it's interesting, yeah, looking at these five, uh, these five point rates, uh, is fun to look at. You look at, you know, Stacey Howard's another one, uh, 10 career matches, you know, she has five wins, but she's had to go to the five pointer just three times and she's only converted once. Um, and I'm not counting the manageable match or anything like that. Cause that didn't count for stats. So you can throw that one out. So, or you could add it because she did get it and, and. You can pad her numbers a little bit that way, but in a match in which it counts towards her ranking and jumping up and contending for a title, she's one of three out of five pointers in her 10 career matches. 30% five point rate, which is great. Obviously, she got to five wins, you know, 500 player, but uh, if she can convert more, if she could have converted one one or the other ones, you know, who knows where where she'd be at in terms of the rankings and or even the tournament. I mean, she has she can pull out some great wins. We've seen it against Ellis, we saw it against Riley. Um, she can pull out crazy answers like she did in the manageable um, and other matches that she had. So uh, it's great great five point rate there. Uh, and then 
Talk about Levine. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, this was, like I said, it was, it was fun to compile together. Um, it's, yes, Corey, uh, I live like Harry Potter. So, yeah, that's going to that's gonna do it here for, for me. Um, I think next week, I, I got to try and figure out, I don't know what I'm going to do next week, actually. Um, I did have an idea. I did have one. I'm trying to forget. I forget what it was now. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, but I'll think of it. I don't know. I might do actually a draft board update next week. Um, that'll be fun. Especially given now that we know the fate of Founding Files. I can kind of actually now um, rank them on the board a little bit with more confidence. So that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm. I don't know if I'm going to publish some of these five point numbers. Check. Yeah, I think I will on ST Rundown Stats on Twitter. So. Go ahead, check that uh, that Twitter handle out. I'll slowly um, unravel some of these stats. But that's going to do it for me here. And uh, thanks for watching. And I'll uh, see you on the next one.